Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. The email is, this is a change, Pete Callender Show at WBT.com. Because of the laptop issues I'm having, I can't access that. So I can access Pete Callender Show at WBT.com. And uh, on Twitter, it's at Pete Callender. I have a correction. I have a correction to make. I said that Joe Biden was nibbling on the little girl's head. Upon further review, I'm looking at the video now, and... Overseas, just leaving Finland a short time ago on his way back from the United States. Yeah, all right, he's, uh, yeah, he's not nibbling on her head, he's nibbling... On the upper shoulder, upper left shoulder area, so his forehead is kind of up against her ear, his eyes are right up against her neck, and she's kind of scrunching up her shoulders. She's like three years old, and he's like, he's nibbling away on the back of her shoulder and putting the top of his face up against her head. So I apologize for not being completely accurate. Joe Biden not munching on the toddler's head, munching on her shoulder. I just want to make sure that I get that correction on the record. Don't want to be accused of misinformation, disinforming people and the like. Uh, Let me get to a couple of uh, tweets here. Pete, somebody should tell Biden there's a little four-year-old girl in Arkansas who would have enjoyed that type of affection from her grandpa. That's yeah. I mean that I don't know if she would have enjoyed that kind of attention, although I guess it's different if it's your grandpa. Maybe, yeah, like, you can get away with doing that because that's grandpa. You don't get to do that with just any old kid, or young kid, for that matter. You don't get to do that to other people's kids. Like, I don't just go up to people and start doing, uh, what's it called, the... Where you, where you go up and you blow air on the belly? Raspberries. Raspberries, or there's something else. Oh, I forgot the name of it. No, it's not. It's not the boat. No, it's... uh. Whatever. You know what I'm talking about. The raspberries on the stomach. Like when the little toddlers and you're tickling them and you go, you know, on their stomach and they think it's hilarious. Yeah, you don't do that to strangers' kids. Okay? You don't get to do that to strangers' kids. Um, I got another message here. This is MAGA, American Pitbull, who says, Pete, as long as your faithful uh, listeners are being so helpful... Could you please pretend that you have a gas-powered Mercedes smart car and it needs service? Needs service within 75 miles. Everyone else is 150 miles away. So there, there you go. There's Somebody needs some help. They have a gas-powered Mercedes smart car. Well, how smart is it if it's gas-powered? Oh, is that like... It's on an EV. I guess it's just got like a whole computer on board or something. It's like touchscreen activated or something. Mercedes smart car, it needs service within 75 miles. 
Everyone else is 150 miles away. All right. Well, I'll, I mean, I'll retweet you. Maybe, uh, maybe somebody can give you some help on that. Um, Idiocracy on Twitter says, Pete, uh, Joe is adrenochrome sniffing. It's possible. It's possible. <laughs> uh, Zerbert, thank you. Thank you, Scott, on the, twi- uh, on the Twitter machine. It's a Zerbert. That was a Bill. Oh, wait a minute. That was a Bill Cosby term, wasn't it? The Zerbert? What was it? Flubber? flubber. I've never heard of Flubber. What did they know Flubber was the... Uh... Nutty Professor. Nutty Professor, yeah. Zerbert. Right. So I'm not sure if we're allowed to say Zerbert anymore. <laughs> I think that, that might be illegal at this point. Although he is out again, right? He's on appeal, right? He got it overturned. So innocent until proven guilty and all that, I guess. So we're using Zerbert in the meantime. You don't Zerbert other people's kids. It's a long way to get to that pearl of wisdom for the president, who apparently has not learned this yet. Um, let me get to this uh, children's law omnibus bill. This was a stuff and gut. There was a previous bill. It was called the searches of students person bill. In other words, it was a bill aimed at, you know, searches on uh, at a K-12 school. And the original provisions that were in this bill, and it was like a half-page bill, it was very short, um, have now been added to. And it's very lengthy. It's now, I think, 20-something page? Yeah, 26 pages here. Um, and it's uh, it's now got a whole bunch of other provisions in it. Um, it keeps the short title requiring searches on students to be done by the same-sex school official. So... A woman would do a search, a body search, right, a pat down or whatever, of a female and a male to a male, okay, Um, and have one adult witness. But it also adds some other provisions that are actually closely aligned with provisions that are in the Parents' Bill of Rights, which already passed the legislature, but Governor Cooper vetoed last week. So here's some of the things that it does. A requirement for notification to parents of a student's search— you got to tell the parent that your kid got searched. The right of parents to request student reassignment to another school or local school administrative school unit. Okay. Requirements for education on human growth and development in grades four and five and a requirement to provide additional notifications to parents on how to opt in or out of that kind of uh, education. Like sex said, basically. Right. New procedures for the selection of both library books and instructional materials related to health and safety. A requirement for an instructional material repository in each public school unit. And a requirement that detailed syllabi be made publicly available for all courses in public school units at the beginning of each semester. A requirement for public libraries to restrict access to materials harmful to minors, require parental consent for minors' access to libraries, and allow parents access to minors' library records. Right? So what is my kid reading when they go to your library that you've, you know, packed the shelves with these inappropriate books? If they're checking out these books, 
that they are too young to be reading, in my opinion, as the parent, then I, I should have the right to know what books they're checking out. A limit on the ability for minors to consent to mental health care except when the minor believes themselves to be a danger to themselves or others. And create a limited exception for examination of minors without parental consent when abuse or neglect was suspected. So what are they trying to get at here? They're trying to get at your counseling sessions and your radical gender theory. That's what they're trying to get at. They're trying to they're trying to get the parents informed that their kid is being counseled to reject their body parts. The right to appeal to a superior court for violations of the fundamental right to parent. This is this is one of the parts here that's gotten the most attention and controversy. Because there's a uh, section 11 superintendent contracts that would now require terms. Any contract that gets written for a superintendent now would have to have terms that allow for the firing of the superintendent or a reduction in the salary after five successful claims of violations of the fundamental right to parent. See, so what a lot of leftists and Democrats and media, but I repeat myself, what they're doing is they're taking that part only. They're saying, oh, so what? So five right-wing Christian fascists can submit a, a an affidavit against a superintendent and either get them fired or get their pay reduced. And it's not that simple. You have to go to a superior court. And if the court then agrees with the parents and you get five of those, then the school board can fire the superintendent, but they don't have to. But if they don't fire them, then they have to reduce the pay. And they they, they outline how much, how how to do that. Now, look, you can argue that that's not fair. You shouldn't be able to reduce a superintendent's pay. But what the lawmakers, I think, are trying to get at here is that there's a lack of accountability. And so when parents find that their you know, fundamental right to parent has been uh, abridged and they have no recourse, what do they do? Oh, I know. Take the kid out of the school system. Well, now you can with the. Right. They, they erect barriers at every step of the way to keep your kid under the K-12 model. If they're in control of it. All right, we'll get into uh, some of the language here, but also um, the way W.R.A.L. approached the story, which is <laughs> very W.R.A.L. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Email is Show at WBT.com. And on Twitter, it's uh, the at symbol, Pete Callender. And it's Callender, K-A-L-I-N-E-R. There is no D in Callender. Um, nary a D to be found. Do, do, do. All right, so I've done something that apparently the uh, leftists that drive a lot of media coverage uh, they, they have not done, which is to actually read the, read the bill. Uh, they say, read the bill. Uh, we got to pass it first. Yeah. So Senate bill 90, this is in the North Carolina legislature. 
And there's this section called superintendent contracts. Okay. And I'm going to jump to the second part because the second part has the important piece of information that the leftist progressive think tank Carolina forward sent out. They ignored the second part. So I'm going to start at the second part. Okay, so here's the second part of this section. A parent may file with the local board of education an affidavit containing the name of the superintendent and, here's the key, a copy of the court orders in a final claim of violation of general statute, blah, 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 that occurred while the superintendent was employed by the local board. Right, so what is it saying? Right, there are two different things going on here. The parent can file this affidavit with the local school board. What is the affidavit of? It's some violation that occurred. And a copy of the court orders in a final claim. So in other words, a court has determined that the school superintendent or the lesson plan or whatever it was, but under the direction of the super, that there was a violation of your fundamental right to parent, as is outlined in the statute. So you got to go to court. you got to get a judge to agree that this violation occurred as under the law. And then if you get five parents that have those claims as adjudicated by a judge, right, then you take it to the school board. And what Carolina Forward sent out was just the second part there. Just the receipt of five affidavits. They're like, oh my gosh, just five people can get a superintendent fired? Well, actually, a superintendent can be fired by just a simple majority of the school board at any time. So if your school board is five people, you can get them fired with only three people, right? A majority, three out of five. But this... The first part of Section 11 under the superintendent contract says that a contract is void unless it includes the following terms. So in other words, all contracts now would have to be for superintendent positions in North Carolina would have to include these provisions or else they're void. And this is what the media is focusing on is this part receipt of five affidavits as provided in subsection B which apparently nobody goes to B to read it. So if you get five of these affidavits, that may be grounds for termination of the contract in the discretion of the governing body. No additional funds beyond the salary for actual days of employment shall be paid. So no golden parachute. You know, you, if, if you've got parents that go to court and get a judge to say you have violated their fundamental rights to parent, in some way, as is spelled out in the law, and you get five of them to convince a judge that that occurred, they then take it to the school board. The school board can fire that superintendent and not have to pay them out the rest of the contract. They don't have to fire them, but they can. Or receipt of five affidavits as provided in subsection B, which nobody read, shall result. So now this is not a may. This isn't like the school board may fire... It may be grounds for termination, but they don't have to. They're not, they're not being told that they shall fire. But the second part, receipt of five affidavits 
shall result in an automatic reduction in pay of the superintendent's salary in an amount equal to the state funds provided for that salary if the superintendent's contract is not terminated. And I've read this line a few times, I re- and I still don't know what it means. <laughs> it's, it's an automatic reduction in pay of the superintendent's salary in an amount equal to the state funds provided for that salary. So in other words, they take the state's salary away, but if you get like a local supplement, like if Mecklenburg County superintendent, what are they making now? What was Ernest Winston pulling down? Let's just say for the sake of arguments, two hundred or $400,000. And let's say the state gives you an allocation of one hundred fifty. And Mecklenburg County is like, well, we're giving you, we're giving you two fifty, so that makes you a four hundred thousand dollar employee. So the state would say they got five affidavits against them, as ruled by a judge. So we're not paying that super. You want to keep paying them? You can keep paying them, but one fifty of their salary goes away. I think that's what that means. I think that's what that means. So of course, outrage ensues. Um, WRAL headline, North Carolina lawmakers seek to restrict minors' mental health privacy rights. (laughs) I find this to be so rich. The people telling us that you don't have, as a child or anybody really, you don't have any kind of privacy rights when you're in the locker room at a school are telling us that there are mental health privacy rights that, that, that will mask from parents mental health counseling that their kids are getting. So there's a right to privacy there, but not in the locker room if a trans kid wants to come and watch your, your daughter undress. No privacy rights there, but privacy rights to keep mom and dad ignorant about the gender uh, theory that you're being counseled. Uh, it's just, these people are nuts. They're just nuts. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Man, people really don't want, really don't want school districts to be at the mercy of some crazy parents. How dare they? 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. The email is Show at WBT.com. So this, uh, it's a very large bill. It's 26 pages long. North Carolina Republicans, uh, Introduced it uh, earlier in the week. It's brand new uh, language that they put into a different bill. It was uh, gutting stuff that they that they tend to do in the uh, the the waning days of the legislative session. And so, uh, this has, of course, prompted outrage, uh, you know, among the left and the media. But I repeat myself. Uh, Laura, Laura Leslie over at WRAL, she focused on one part of the uh, of the bill that seeks to restrict minors' mental health privacy rights, she claims in the headline. A proposal in the State House to restrict minors' rights to consent to counseling without a parent's permission is part of a bigger push in Republican-dominated states around the country. So this does raise a question. Does Does a minor have a right to counseling without the parent knowing about it. What kind of counseling? Hmm? Does that matter? I think it does. Lawmakers are moving to reassert the rights of parents in response to some conservatives' beliefs 
that schools and teachers are seeking to replace parents and indoctrinate students. I love this idea that they, she frames it as if it's some sort of wild conspiracy theory. Like, what do you think education is? You're literally taking a person whose brain is developing, who is immature and doesn't know a lot, right? The, they know very, very little. And you are now going to educate them. You're going to put things into their brain. You can call that indoctrination, right? Like, what's the, what is the difference? Education, indoctrination, what is the difference except the material that you're putting in, right? The so-called Parents' Bill of Rights currently awaiting a veto override in the state Senate is a product of that push as well, she says. Under current state law, people under the age of 18 require parental consent for most medical treatment. (gasps) No. Really? Under the age of 18, you need a parent's permission to to get medical procedures? Wait a minute. Is this a wait, is this a restriction on their rights? The law does make some exceptions, including drug and alcohol abuse, STDs, pregnancy, and quote emotional disturbance. Doctors who provide that treatment can't notify the underage patient's parents without permission unless it is essential to the life or health of the patient. Right? So unless the kid consents, like they go in for drug abuse or an STD or something, they don't have to inform the parent. They're not allowed to inform the parent unless the kid allows it. What this Senate bill does, it removes the, quote, emotional disturbance off of the list. The bill would require parental consent for minors to receive mental health counseling unless the minor believes they're a danger to themselves or others. So if they're feeling suicidal or homicidal, that you don't have to tell the parents that. Otherwise, the parents will have to be notified that there are grounds to suspect. Um, oh, sorry. They would have to be notified unless there are grounds to suspect abuse or neglect. So that that checks that box because you always hear that. Well, if you tell the parents that the kid's kind of trans curious, then they're going to beat the crap out of the kids, right? No. First off, if that happens, then that's a mandatory reportable offense. That's illegal, right? You don't you you don't get to abuse the child. And what they also point out here, though, is that abuse is not refusing to go along with the new gender and the name. That's not abuse. Not abuse. I know. I cannot believe we are at the point where we have to codify at this level of detail. But here we are. Yeah, here we are. The counselors would be required to report the case to social services if there is abuse or neglect, as they are currently required to report abuse and neglect to social services. Now, advocates for children's welfare worry that the bill would make children who need mental health care less likely to seek it out and less likely to believe that they can trust their counselor. You don't have to tell the parents what they're discussing. But you do have to tell the parents that your kid is seeking counseling. Again, why are you trying to cut the parents out? Well, because they could they could abuse their kids. Do you suspect the parent of abusing the child right now? If so, um, 
Shouldn't you be reporting that to social services? Another part of the bill would require teachers or other school staff to inform a student's parents if the student is experiencing mental health issues or is questioning their gender identity, even without the student's consent. Right. So if the student is coming in and they're like, yeah, you know what? I think I want to be called a different name now. Switch my pronouns up and, you know, just having the uh, just experimenting. Parents should or the teacher should tell the parent that because what what they are learning, what they have learned and what American uh, the American medical establishment apparently is slow to realize that uh, their counterparts overseas have already realized, which is that for the majority of kids that are experiencing gender dysphoria of a kind, um, they have pre-existing underlying, uh, underlying and persistent mental health issues unrelated to gender dysphoria. That comes after. The dysphoria comes after. America, uh, sorry, Elizabeth Barber, an attorney for the American Civil Liberties Union of North Carolina, said that uh, this would violate students' right to privacy. Quote, everyone has a constitutional right not to have intimate facts about their lives disclosed without their consent. So, intimate facts protected under privacy laws, but not your intimate body parts in the locker room with a transgender person. That Different. This is the line that they have. These are the standards that they are advancing. They see apparently no conflict here. No paradox. I don't know. Sorry, ladies, you're going to have to strip down naked in front of the because your intimate body parts not covered under privacy rules, but intimate facts totally are. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? So WRAL, they focused uh, one of their stories here on the... uh on this uh, Senate Bill 90, the Children's Laws Omnibus, which was rolled out in the uh, legislature on Wednesday, they focused on the uh, the counseling aspect and how parents are now going to be informed if their kids are getting counseling services and the like, and how dare they? And they say, oh, you have this, you know, uh, right, a constitutional right not to have intimate facts about their lives disclosed without their consent to their own parents. And... Um, these are the same people that argue that you don't have any right to privacy when you're changing, getting naked in a uh, in a shower or locker room uh, when around people of the opposite sex. What else do we have in the bill? We have charter schools are no longer, quote unquote, state actors. Right. Section 16 of the bill has raised concerns for it seemingly nullifying the effect of a fourth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruling that involved a Brunswick County charter school dress code that requires girls to wear skirts. See, the court had ruled that because charter schools 
acted as, quote, state actors, they could no longer institute a restrictive dress code. The school had previously sought the the Supreme Court to overturn that ruling, but that was rejected. Senate Bill 90 would make it so that the actions of charter schools would be considered the same as the actions of the private nonprofit corporation that is operating the charter school. Make sense? Right, because the ruling came down against the charter schools, and like you're state actors, so like, all right, no, they're not. So now we got a law to change that new interpretation from some liberal lawyers with a wardrobe change. And then there's Paige Mastin, the McClatchy opinion writer, published to the Charlotte Observer and the News and Observer. She lives up in Raleigh, I believe. Um. She has a headline, no, Mark Robinson did not promote Hitler, but what he did say wasn't great. So it can never just be that the left does something. It's always, yeah, the left did something, but here's all these awful things that the right did or this person who's being attacked did. And so I'm not saying they should be attacked, but I understand, right? North Carolina Lieutenant Governor and ardent culture warrior Mark Robinson, she calls him an ardent culture warrior, which to me... Um, hello, pot, meet kettle. Like your job literally is to write stories that impact the culture. You are an opinion writer. What do you think you do? <laughs> right. You, you are in the arena. Yes, you are on the battlefield in the culture war. Anyway. Uh, She says that Robinson had yet another viral moment this week after he seemed to suggest we revisit the writings of dictators like Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin. He actually did not seem to suggest that. He did say to do that. Yeah, he said to do that. And y'all on the left lost your minds. And what this comes down to is, see, you guys think that people on the right, when they say the name Hitler or Stalin, that there's there's some sort of uh, appreciation or 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 love in, in the uttering of the name. But the uttering of the name in and of itself is the indictment. I'm not sure you lefties understand this. People on the right loathe Hitler, Stalin, Pol Pot, Mao, right? These statists, these authoritarians, these tyrants, hate them. We hate them. And so simply stating that name is the indictment. We don't have to qualify it with anything that's like, oh, you know, that awful guy. No, we don't have to. It's Hitler. It's literally Hitler. It's the it's like the ultimate example. Stalin, ultimate example. Pol Pot. Mao, they're the they're the ultimate examples of evil and what happens when you have government control over things. And so She's like, well, okay, you know, here's you know the the video that was circulating and I covered this the other day, played both of the clips. I'd play it again, but the laptop, blah, 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 broken, you know, whatever. So a longer clip posted by Robinson showed the original video was missing important context. Robinson was clearly being critical of Hitler and others like him. It's clear, though, he still believes there is some educational value in reading their work. Yes, there is. Don't do that. It's a warning. This is the whole point of his comment. He called them... Uh, communist despots, socialist uh, socialist despots. 
Democrats did not include that context in their criticism of Robinson, she writes. They either didn't do their homework or decided to ignore the additional remarks. Either was wrong. If you thought you heard a butt coming, you are correct. There is a big old butt right here. But Robinson is wrong, too. But of course. First of all, when did we ever stop teaching about Hitler and other despots? He's not saying he's not saying that you stop teaching about him or World War II or the Holocaust, right? He's not saying that they're painted as heroes, as she says. No, he's saying their comments about how to do socialist and communist revolutions need to be taught. How they did it, because how they did it. Sounds a lot like what you guys espouse. That's the point here. That's always the point of quoting Hitler and Stalin when you're of the right.